Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. You know, people will, in life, let you down. And they don't always meet expectations. But God is the exception. He does everything great. He'll never let you down. He'll never disappoint you, forsake you. He does everything good. Amen. Amen. It is good to be here in the house of the Lord in Hatchbend with you all. It's great to be in another service. And uh, my wife and I, we give honor to your great pastor, Pastor Boyd and Sister Boyd. And we pray that their travels are safe and that they somewhere along the way find a moment uh, to rest a little bit if they can. So, and uh, I know with Pastor and Sister Boyd, you have to remind them to rest. So if they, they watch this later, um, you've got your reminder. Get some rest while you're gone this week. So, but it is, it is good to be back with you all. What a great presence of the Lord that is here today. Amen. <clears throat> what a great message this morning by Brother Bird. Great Bible study. If you missed it, you've got to find a way to watch it if you can. That was a great lesson, Brother Bird. Thank you for that. And um, if you would, if you would turn with me to the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, chapter 33, I'm going to read two verses of scripture, verses 10 and 11, Psalms 33, 10 and 11. I'm reading the New King James Version for my opening text, so it may read a little different um, than what you're reading. Psalm 33, verses 10 and 11. The psalmist says, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. By the help of the Lord today, I want to speak to us for just a few moments on this thought. The master's plan. The master's plan. Why don't you lift your hands with me and let's just ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. Thank you, God, for your presence that's here. Thank you for what you've already done. We ask, God, that your word would speak to our hearts today, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us in your word. God, we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated. The master's plan. While not to the extreme... I do like to consider myself somewhat of a planner. I like to have an idea of what to expect when I start my day. When it comes to taking a trip, whether it be for business or vacation, I appreciate having a plan in place. I appreciate knowing the day, the time we're going to leave mapping out, if you will, the roads that we're going to take, the places that we're going to stay. I appreciate a plan. I'm okay with 
spontaneity from time to time, but I prefer a plan. Is anybody with me? Does anybody like to plan your trips? Anybody like to plan your day? Does anybody just like to see what happens? Just see what the day brings, not make a schedule. Anybody that way? All right, we got a few of you out there. God bless you. We'll pray for you. We'll pray that you get organized in Jesus' name. Those with the planner personality style, I looked this up. Those with that personality style are steadfast. They are typically reliable and conscientious of time, their time and others' time. They are responsible by nature. Planners aim to create a life that is safe and secure. No surprise. To waste time, planners tend to be responsibly active, filling their schedules with must-dos and got-to-get-dones. They have a must-do list and a got-to-get-done. And, and sometimes I'm by no means extremely organized, but there are, there are times at night when I'm going to sleep and, and I start to think about what I have to do the next day and to the point where I can't even fall asleep. So I'll pick up my phone and I'll go to my notes tab or app and I'll type things to do and and I'll start typing them out because I know if I don't do that, I'll forget by the morning. So I'll do that and I'll fill it with the little circles that you can put the check mark in and check it off as you go. <clears throat> That's what planners do. That's what they like to do. I believe it was the great, and maybe you remember this great colonel from history, Colonel John Hannibal Smith, leader of the A-Team. He, he was fond of saying this statement. He said, I love it when a plan comes together. If you don't know what the A-team is, meet with me after church. We'll talk to you about it. But nothing frustrates a planner quite like getting off schedule. When you put in the time, the effort, and the organization, it can be frustrating when things don't work out as planned. Because when plans fall apart, that means shifting schedules. It means taking detours, and it means cancellations. To the planner, there is nothing worse. I would like to tell us this morning that God is the master planner. Our opening text declares, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. The psalmist here is praising God for his active guiding hand through human history. God moves among the Gentile nations as he pleases to accomplish his counsel and the plans of his heart. It doesn't matter what the other nations plan to do. It doesn't matter what they decide to do. That means nothing to God. His plan will not and cannot be interrupted. God's schedule always stands firm. His plan always comes together. And church, God has a plan for us. Look to your neighbor said, God has a plan for you. God told the prophet Jeremiah, this is an often quoted scripture. You can probably quote it with me in Jeremiah 1 and 5. God told the prophet, he said, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. 
At the time God spoke this prophecy to Jeremiah, he was a young man, already a young man, but God wanted him to know that the call on his life went back further than his youth. Jeremiah, you see, existed in the mind and the plan of God before he ever existed in his mother's womb. God told Jeremiah this so that he could walk in God's ordained plan by his own will. This information, this prophecy wasn't spoken to Jeremiah just to interest him or to entertain him. It was given so that Jeremiah would understand and know God's will for his life, be encouraged by it, and therefore align his life, align his will with God's revealed will. I believe that that prophecy that God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah, that prophecy can be applied to each and every one of us here today in this service. Before God formed you in the womb, he had a purpose and he had a plan for your life. He has always had his eye on you. It's been fixed on you throughout your entire life, even before you were in your mother's womb. It may not seem like it to you this morning. You may be in a season that has discouraged you or, or caused you to fall away and, and to not participate in God's promise like you should have. But we need to understand and, and trust that God's purpose and plan has not been interrupted. God's plan for you has not come to a standstill. It, it has not been interrupted and stalled where it won't come to pass. But if we will just put our faith in his process and align ourselves and our life with his will, we will see it come to pass. Be encouraged this morning that God's will in your life will and can come to pass. Amen? What an encouraging truth that is for each and every one of us. I think we ought to thank God for that promise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because that is the master's plan for your life and for our life. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we read of a man by the name of Saul. Saul was a Roman citizen. He was from a Jewish family from the city of Tarsus, a trade city on the Mediterranean. Acts 23 describes Saul as a Pharisee and the son of a Pharisee. At some early point in Saul's life, he studied under the great Pharisaic leader Gamaliel. This was a master teacher of his time, and, and Saul was able and, and privileged to study under this man and, and to glean from his knowledge of the scriptures. Saul was extremely educated. He had a, a deep understanding of, of scripture and philosophy, and, and he was considered probably one of the smartest men of his time. And even with an understanding of Scripture, even with an understanding of uh, what they would call the Torah, Saul, however, it, he, Saul of Tarsus as we, as we know him, he would lead a campaign of persecution against the early church. Saul was a persecutor of the early church, the early Christians. The book of Acts even named Saul as we read Throughout his life story, it, it, the book of Acts names him as one of those who approved of the stoning of Stephen. Acts 9 verses 1 and 2 tells us 
about this persecutor, Saul. The Bible says, Acts 1 and 9, 1 and 2, Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, that is, Christians, believers in Jesus, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. The Bible tells us here that Saul, this great teacher, this great leader of his time, yet also a a persecutor, he was on a mission in life to bring any followers of Jesus to justice, going house to house, dragging them bound and chained to prison. Can you imagine a scenario like that? We live in a hopefully still free country for a while longer, but but can you imagine, I know that we've been watching what's going on in, in Eastern Europe with Ukraine and Russia. You know, it's, it's dangerous to be a Christian in those countries. It's dangerous in, in some Asian countries like China to be a believer and they have to hold secret services in their basements and, and not advertise that they're meeting together to worship Jesus. So you, you, we have to kind of imagine the scenario, what it would be like to be in your home and and praying with your family, or maybe reading the Bible, doing your devotion, and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door, and the authorities are there to drag you out, put you in chains, and take you to prison. Saul led this campaign. It was Saul's mission to do this, to go house to house, and and to to bring families in chains, and to silence the teachers of, of Jesus. This was Saul's purpose in life, and and here he is desiring letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, and to go house to house and to bind these families together and take them to prison. This was his purpose. However, the master, God himself, had a different plan for Saul's life. The Bible says in Acts 9, starting in verse 3, that as Saul journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly... There shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless. They couldn't even speak. Hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. Saul was blinded in this moment, this powerful encounter. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. On his way, as Saul was going on his journey, his plan to to persecute the church in this area, Saul's schedule was suddenly interrupted by none other than Jesus himself. For three days, the Bible tells us that Saul waited, blinding blinded eyes, unable to see, and not even eating for three days, just waiting where the Lord had sent him. What is my next move? And contemplating what this all means. And how could it be that that Jesus, who I I didn't believe in, who 
I was arresting others for teaching and believing in. How could it be that he spoke to me in this way? And then Saul encounters a man by the name, a disciple by the name of Ananias. Acts 9, verse number 10 says, There was a certain disciple at Damascus, a man named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision. God spoke to Ananias and said, Behold, I, and Ananias responded, said, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. <clears throat> now Ananias in this moment probably wanted to correct the Lord and say he must have seen another Ananias, not this Ananias. Because Ananias recognized the name Saul of Tarsus. Saul had a very bad reputation. Saul was not well received, as you can imagine, by the Christian community. And so Ananias was confused in this moment. He thought to himself, this Maybe, you know, maybe I need to remind the Lord of who Saul of Tarsus is. Maybe I need to just remind him and maybe we can shift the schedule here a little bit. So Ananias answered the Lord and he said, I have heard by many of this man. I've heard of Saul of Tarsus. I've heard what he's done. And he says, I've heard how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. I've heard how he's bound families. I've heard how he's still to this day breathing out threatenings against the church. And Ananias said, And here, in this place, he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Ananias said, Wait a second. Saul of Tarsus? Saul of Tarsus. He understood the danger this meeting could mean for him. Saul had the desire and the authority to imprison anyone who called on the name of Jesus. But the Lord in verse 15 answered and said unto Ananias, Go thy way, for he, somebody say he. This is speaking of Saul of Tarsus. Jesus said, He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer For my name's sake. And the Bible says Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hand on him said this, Brother Saul. He went from Saul the persecutor, Saul of Tarsus to Brother Saul. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in thy way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's right, the same Holy Ghost that Ananias had. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And the Bible says this, and straightway, He, meaning Saul, preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. What a transformation for this man, Saul of Tarsus. 
Saul of Tarsus would, of course, as we know, become, as we know him, Paul, the greatest of, of all apostles probably to live. Paul preached salvation unto the Gentiles. Paul would write 13 books of our New Testament because God's purpose was revealed to him and he aligned himself with the master's plan for his life. And God's plan came to pass. To Ananias, looking at his response, to Ananias in his mind as God spoke to him and said, go to this man, go to Saul and lay hands on him and pray for him and and minister to him. And Ananias' mind, Saul, was already defined by his current state, by the life that he was currently leading. Ananias had already made up his mind as to who Saul was, and no doubt many others had done the same. Maybe even Saul himself, waiting for three days, blinded with no food, contemplating how that light had shone and and Jesus had revealed himself to him. Maybe even Saul himself thought, there's no way he could ever use me I didn't think this was possible. I didn't think that he was the Messiah. And I've done all these bad things. There's no way he could ever use me. But, and Ananias thought that. And, and no doubt others in the community thought that. But God had a plan. <clears throat> Ananias said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man. I know who he is. He said, how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. I, I, I've got him pegged. I've got him figured out. Paul was a persecutor of God's people. How could this man be a chosen vessel? But to God, Paul had a greater predetermined purpose. God had a plan. The master had a plan for his life. Didn't matter what Paul's current season was. Didn't matter what he found himself doing at the moment. God's plan superseded all of that. In the book of Jeremiah... The Jews found themselves in an extended period of exile in Babylon. But through the prophet Jeremiah, God informed the people there would ultimately be a return, but it would not be quick. They were going to be stuck for a while. The children of Israel, they were bound in Babylon. They were exiled from their own land. And, and God spoke to them, but he's, before he encouraged them, he said, you're going to be here a while. You're going to be here just a bit. They would have to endure a tough season. It would be a season, undoubtedly, of second-guessing and questioning while they wait. There would be moments of weakness where the people would contemplate giving up, throwing in the towel and just calling it quits. But it would be during this long season of exile in Babylon that God would remind the people of his plan and this powerful promise that all of us have been encouraged by through the years. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says this, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. See, we read this verse and and we read it as an encouragement. I know the thoughts that I have towards you. You know, we're thinking of of God speaking to us. I, I, I know thoughts of peace and no thoughts of evil and to give you an expected end. But the context of the verse is that they're going to have to wait a little bit. And none of us like that, do we? 
When we read that verse for encouragement, we probably don't think to ourselves, but I'm going to be here for years and years and years. But that's what God was saying. He said, you're going to be in exile for a while. You're going to be in a season. You're going to be in a, a, a dry and thirsty place and a place where you're probably going to second guess things and, and wonder whether you heard from me or whether I still know your name. But God wanted to remind them. He knew his own thoughts and plans towards the exiled Jews in Babylon. They did not know or remember his thoughts toward them. So God wanted to remind them through the prophet Jeremiah. I believe God wants to do that here today. You may be in a season of exile, spiritually speaking. But God wants to remind you that he still has plans for you. You may have been here for a while, and who knows, you may be here tomorrow and the day after that and for the weeks to come, but God still has a plan. God still has a purpose for your life. He's not forgotten about you. He's not forsaken you. He still has plans for peace and and healing and prosperity and and blessing and anointing to use you and and to, to touch your family. God still has those plans. doesn't matter what current season you're in. God's plans, the master of all planners, he, he has a plan for your life, and his supersedes your season. God's plan for us can be realized. It can be realized and achieved if we can align ourselves with him. We've got to align ourselves with him. You know, if you're, like I said at the beginning, a planner by nature, it can be tough to let go of your schedule. It can be tough to trust someone else's schedule. But in order for God's plan to come to pass in our life, we've got to align our will with his will. We've got to make sure that we are aligning ourselves with him, that we are walking in the footsteps that he has laid out for us. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, this is Paul speaking, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You may find out what the will of God is, that perfect and acceptable will of God for your life, that perfect and acceptable plan of God for your life. If we can rid ourselves of every weight, lay aside every weight, and every distraction of this world, we can then know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will and plan of God. doesn't matter what your, again, your season is. God has a plan and a purpose. Amen. I'm getting ready to close if the musicians want to join me. It was just a few months ago that I was out uh, scalloping. I was out scalloping, and I had never I had never done this before. Has anybody ever gone scalloping? It was a lot of fun, and um, it's interesting because when you when you see the scallops underwater, they look a lot bigger, and you think, "Man, I've got this massive scallop," and you go down and you get it, and you bring it up, and it's about that big. But we were, we were out scalloping. I was, I was out with some, 
some friends that we were scalloping, and, and I had kind of drifted a, a bit away. I had gone a, a bit away. You know, you get caught up and you're, you're floating in the water and you, you, you look up and all of a sudden, where's the boat, you know? <laughs> so I was, I was looking around and, and I couldn't see the boat. And then I just, I saw it off in the distance, so I got a little more comfortable. And, and then I, I went back underwater and I was looking. And I just started looking at how big and vast the ocean was. How just, how massive it is. And, and it just, it's almost unsearchable you know they have they have they have machines that go down and search out the animal life and the the aquatic life and all that but there's still parts that are just unsearchable because it just goes so vast and so deep and and even beyond the ocean just the world and uh, the population of the world and the the big cities and the different countries and it's just a it's just a beautiful place and God really did a great work but then I started thinking how in the beginning the Bible says that the earth was without form and void, Genesis 1. The Bible says darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There was, we don't know exactly what it looked like, but there was a darkness. There was a void. And, and it was without form and it was uninhabitable. But God had a plan. God had different plans. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. It didn't matter what the current state of the earth was. It didn't matter what the current state of the universe was. It was always in the plan and purpose of God to create it, to create us and to breathe into us the breath of life. It was always his plan to do so. But if you were to go back thousands of years and look at the state of the universe, you might think to yourself, well, how is something going to be made of this? How is something going to be made of this? But God had a plan. God is the master planner. So you may be in a life that feels void, feels in a state of darkness. But if God says, let there be light in your life, then there will be light. And that light is good. And God has a plan for you. Amen. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Maybe you're here today and, and you've, you've lost your way, you've lost track. You feel like you're off the beaten path and you're wondering if God still has a purpose. I'm here to remind you that God does have a, a plan and a purpose for you. Or maybe you've just been, in general, questioning, what am I doing here? What, what's going on with my life? And I just feel like the wheels are spinning, but I'm going nowhere. God has a purpose and a plan for you. Maybe it's a family circumstance and you feel like your family's falling apart and, and, and nothing's coming together, but God has a purpose for your family. God is the master planner and he's not off schedule today. He's not off schedule. So I wonder as we close, if we could just take a few moments individually, not worrying about who's around you or what's going on, if we could just pray and say, God, I want to align my will with yours. I want to align my life with your purpose and your plan. I want to walk in the footsteps that you have laid out for me. And if we will do that, we can get back on track. God wants to remind us here today that he's not forgotten us. 
He hasn't forgotten you one bit, but he's still got a purpose and a plan. If you want to pray where you're at, that's okay. But if you'd like to make your way to an altar, recommit yourself, realign yourself with God, I think that would be all right too. God wants to speak to some hearts today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.